So I've been working uh, for churches or, or ministry type things for the better part of 11, 12 years. Working at a, a Christian camp, a summer camp. Uh, I worked at a church in Cleburne, Texas. Uh, as, is that still funny? <laughs> in youth ministry uh, there uh, as an intern and a worship leader. Uh, and I've worked here uh, in uh, First Methodist Mansfield. And I've been blessed at each of those locations to uh, be able to work under some great leadership, some great leaders, um, great communicators. Uh, I've been blessed to uh, call many of them friends, uh, the people that I work with uh, on my staff and a lot of the volunteers um, equally. Uh, great, wonderful people, great leaders, friends. And that's been such a blessing for me to be able to be a part of that. Um, I think it's helped me grow not only in my faith, but in my leadership. And I'm thankful every day. But there's, there's not much that blesses me more than being able to be able to uh, be led in worship by a couple of my friends and my wife. Um, that's, that's, that's huge for me to be able to be out there and, and watch her lead and sing and, it, and it's beautiful and uh, so thank you Holly for singing tonight uh, so anyways mushy stuff out of the way uh, <laughs> uh, we're talking about gardens surprise <laughs> We're talking about gardens because we're talking about the way things ought to be. We're talking about the way that Jesus chose to describe the kingdom of God and the kingdom of heaven. It's an interesting way to describe something that's called a kingdom. Something as organic as a garden. Something that has plants, that grows that comes from a seed, right? These little old things. The thing I thought was interesting about this, we, we've, we've been talking, and so if you've been asleep for the past couple nights, you know that when Jesus talks about a garden, he's probably drawing your attention back to the garden, the original garden, the Garden of Eden, uh, the way God made things, the original garden, right? This is the idea. This is what Jesus wants us to get back to. And he is talking about how we get back there. And I was thinking about the original garden and you know how we talked about God as the sower and, and the seed is his word or, or Christ. If you read in John, how, um, you know, we, we relate Jesus to the word. Um, and then the soil as us, our hearts, right? The very center of our being. And I began to think, well, you know what? Actually, I mean, technically, Adam was made of what? Soil, right? That's what Adam was made of. And consequently, Eve, too. It's just interesting to me that we talk about the soil being us, being our hearts, and, and that, that we choose to, to picture or describe this kingdom as, as something that is living and growing. 
And it becomes much more real. We talk about this idea that we've, not only do we picture God raising us up out of the soil, but using that as the basis for the growing of his kingdom. It's an interesting thing to me. Adam was made from soil. So we talked about the, uh, on Monday night we talked about the path, right? Hardness or, or hiddenness um, that, that we want to reveal or expose that soil again. Last night we talked about the shallow soil and how we wanted not just the experience, but we wanted the endurance. That it takes both things. We need to experience God, but from there we need to endure in our call. Tonight we're talking about thorns or, or weeds or brambles or thistles, depending on what translation you're, you're reading and how they described it. Basically, bottom line, all bad. Things you don't want in your yard, things you don't want in your garden, right? Thorns and, and thistles and weeds. And like I said, I, I, try to, I try to picture these different soils as if they were in my yard and, and how they come to exist in my yard, right? I have a sidewalk and that was put there because somebody poured concrete on the ground and there's a sidewalk. I, I have shallow soil that is full of rocks and stones because that's typically the corners of my yard by the fence that I don't really touch or, or go into. I don't prepare that soil in any way whatsoever, but if I have part of my lawn or, or the, uh, the garden or the flower beds that is overrun with weeds, at one point in time, those areas were prepared. There was seed that was laid down. It actually began to take root and grow. But then it got neglected. It got ignored. And these weeds started to pop up. And at first it was just one. But a couple of weeks go by and now there's 10. A year goes by and there's nothing but weeds in my yard. I wish I had this picture. I don't. I deleted it because who keeps a picture of a wheelbarrow with, full of weeds on your phone? But uh, I had this picture of one day when I just got so angry at all the weeds that were growing in my backyard that I spent like three hours crawling around in my yard pulling weeds up by their roots, right? Because it's not enough just to mow them. Because they just grow right back and they grow faster than grass. So I'm, walking, I'm pulling, I filled this wheelbarrow, just mounded with weeds. It was the most disgusting thing I've ever seen. I was like, this is gross, this is awesome. Take a picture. It was full because I just, for the longest time, I just mowed over them. I thought if I just continue to mow over them, nobody will see them, right? I, I can just mow them over and if I just hurry up when the, when the week's up and I got to mow again, I just do it again and again and again and again. Pretty soon I got fed up because if I missed some time or as soon as spring hit, man, those weeds just shot right up and they seemed to multiply. They're taking over my yard. My grass was looking ugly, but nobody cares about that. But weeds existed because my yard was neglected. And the problem with weeds, one, they're ugly, but two, they rob the plants, the good plants that you want. They rob them of their nutrients and their resources. Because they grow so quickly and their roots spread out so quickly, it sucks up all the water and all the minerals and nutrients that plants need to grow. And so your grass or your garden plants or your flowers, there's nothing left for them. 
So they don't get their nutrients. They don't get their water and they shrivel up. They get choked out. That's the problem with weeds. That's why you got to get rid of them. They spread, they grow, and they rob the good plants of their resources. And here's the cool thing about weeds is if, if you handle them as they come, if one pops up and you just go, okay, nope, take that one out and get rid of it, then that's easy. But if you leave it, you're like, oh, I'll, I'll deal with that one later. Pretty soon later turns into, the, now there's four weeds there, like a crud. Okay, well, that's just too much work for right now, so I'm just going to deal with that later. And all of a sudden, it's 30 weeds, and you're like, crud, now I'm so far behind. It becomes taxing. It becomes painful. It becomes three hours out in the hot sun on your hands and knees ripping weeds out of the ground because it was just too much work before, because I didn't have time to deal with it. And pretty soon, those weeds begin to overrun all the good plants you have. And here's the other funny thing about weeds and thorns is that they kind of mimic life, right? They mimic things that are good. You've seen the dandelion, right? They grow up and they're kind of yellow and pretty like, oh, that's a cute little flower in my yard. It's not a flower. That's a weed. And it's killing your grass. When you get older, you'll appreciate that. <laughs> they grow up. They mimic life. They're green and they're growing fast. And you almost think you should be happy. Like it, but it's not. It's something bad, and pretty soon if you don't deal with it, it takes over your yard. And sometimes to the untrained eye, like if you have a garden, and you have all these different leaves and plants and stuff going in there, sometimes to the untrained eye, you don't know what is a good plant and what isn't. It's just in there, and you're like, well, I think that's supposed to be there. I think I planted something there. I'm not sure. And, and if you don't, and it's, and it's a bad, it's a weed, it's a thorn, and you leave it, and it chokes out all the stuff that you planted purposefully that you wanted, that you wanted to harvest and eat one day. Weeds are bad. They choke out life. They overrun all the good that exists. It robs the good plants of their nutrients and their water, the things they need to survive. They choke them out. In the Gospel of Luke, so... When we see the video, it's right out of the Gospel of Matthew. The same parable exists in Luke, also in Mark. Um, but Luke, I, I like the way Luke says it here. And so I really wanted to read Luke's version of it. So uh, I'm not going to read the whole parable, but just in verse 7 of chapter 8, it says, Other seed fell among the thorns, which grew up with it and choked out the plants. That's what we're dealing with here. And Luke eight fourteen. Later on, when Jesus decides to explain this parable, he says, The seed that fell among thorns stands for those who hear. But as they go on their way, they are choked by life's worries, riches, and pleasures. And they do not mature. The soil is somebody who hears the word who maybe even begins to grow and produce a little fruit. But because of the worries and the riches and the pleasures of the world, because of these things that begin to grow alongside them, begins to steal their resources, begins to take the good away and choke out that spirituality that they had, that they were growing, that growth that they've worked so hard to build, and it's gone. 
we all kind of know what this looks like. I, I, I definitely know what this looks like. One of the things I, I, I try to do every single morning is uh, I have the Bible app on my phone, right? And on that, they have daily reading uh, schedules for, for you. So you can, like, w- one of the ones I like to do is I like to read through the whole Bible in a year and just do that every year, right? And I like to pick a different order each time. So every morning I wake up and I read, and it has it laid out. It's really easy, actually. And it just tells me what scripture to read, and I read it. I love to do that, but I can tell when the worries and and the riches and the pleasures of the world begin to invade my life because I find myself more and more, either it's too hard to get up early enough to do it, or I can't seem to find time to just pull out my phone and and read. It takes like 10 minutes maximum. I'm a slow reader. It takes like 10 minutes max. I can't find 10 minutes in a day to read it. That's, That's how I know these weeds have begun to grow up. And if they go neglected, if I just let them stay, if the things that are crowding up my life and stealing up my resources, not allowing me to have this moment that is, I mean, it's such an insignificant amount of time for such a huge payoff and such a significant impact on my life. But my resources are being stolen away from me. I don't get that time anymore. And if if it goes unchecked, who knows what's next? That thing gets taken away from me because I don't have time anymore. I just, I'm so busy. I got so much stuff to do and I got other things to worry about. And, you know, it, I've read the Bible before, so it's not a big deal if I don't read it again, right? This takes me away. I have to stop and look and go, okay, what is taking my time? What is taking me away from this? You probably experienced this some, for those of you that, that go to youth on any sort of regular basis, um, at whatever church it is that you go to, um, you find yourself going and then all of a sudden you'll look back and you go, man, I haven't been to church in like a month, maybe two, I don't know. I don't know how long it's been. I've just been so busy. I've got so many things going on. I've got this and i got this and i got this and you know, and so-and-so wants to do this and you know, I haven't hung out with them in like a week, so I really want to do that, you know, and I, I got all these things I want to do, and man, church doesn't just seem to fit in there. My resources are being taken away from me. You know, I'm really trying hard to live this life, this, this, this life that Jesus taught about, you know, and I went on this mission trip, and I, and, I, and I heard all these good things, and I felt something, and it was cool, and it was great, but you know, I got back out of there, and I got a couple of these friends that I kind of know probably I shouldn't hang out with too much, but they're kind of cool and they're really hilarious and I like to be with them. And, you know, I got to hanging out with them again and pretty soon, slowly but surely, I lost all that that I had back there. I've got this really, really bad habit that I know is really bad for me and it's dangerous and, you know, probably illegal. And, and, you know, I, I... I'm here, you know, I, I promise God that I, that's, that's, I'm done with that. Not only is it, is it separating me from him, but I, I'm not doing good in school anymore. And I, I seem to get more and more angry with my parents. It's like putting a rift in our relationship. And, you know, I'm done with that. I'm out. A couple months after mission trip, that thing sneaks back in. Maybe just one more time for old time's sake. And pretty soon it, that weed sprouts right back up. We just mowed over it. We didn't pull it out. Sprouts right back up and starts taking us away again. Choking us. Choking the life right out of us. 
we want to grow. We want to be part of this kingdom, right? We're the soil. This is where God's kingdom is being grown. And I have my choice. You do. You have a choice. You can remain a hard or a hidden path. You can remain shallow, rocky soil if you want. You can keep all the weeds and thorns in your garden that you want. That's up to you. Remember we said night one that the part that you play in the growing of God's kingdom, that's up to you. That's your choice. So if you want to remain that way, that's, that's fine. But if you want to be a part of the growing of God's kingdom, if you want to take an active role in that, if you want to be that person that starts producing fruit that's now producing seeds, and you're growing up new people, more and more life growing up around you, you're an influencer, you're a leader, if that's you, then we've got to stop neglecting our hearts and stop neglecting that soil. We've got to take a survey of what it is that is taking up our resources. And if it's stealing us away from God, we need to reevaluate. Because here's the thing, things, stuff, it's just stuff, like this iPad or this iPad stand, like it... It's an inanimate object. This iPad cannot be evil. It's just a machine. Like, this has no soul. It's just here. But I can take my love for technology, my addiction to technology to a level where it becomes harmful and it becomes stealing me away. Stuff, stuff isn't bad. I'm not here to tell you to go home and take all your stuff and throw it out and say, you know what? I'm going to live in the yard. I'm going to sleep in the grass. I'm supposed to be part of this garden. I'm just going to be one with the soil now. I'm sleeping out here because that's what Jesus would want me to do. That's not what we're saying. Stuff, stuff is stuff. We, uh, you have to wear clothes. It's illegal not to. Like you have to, you have to wear clothes. You need shoes. It's great to listen to music. I love music. We play it in here, right? Music is good. Love music. I love my iPad. <laughs> I do. Stuff is fine. I mean, if you like cars, if you like whatever it is you like, I mean, stuff, stuff is fine. It's when that stuff replaces God. It's when stuff takes you away from God. That's when it begins to choke you out. In Mark chapter 10, there's a story uh, of this rich young ruler, right? You've probably heard this before. This rich young ruler who comes up to Jesus and says, Jesus, I think I'm pretty much perfect. How do I get into the kingdom of heaven? Is there anything more that I need to do? And Jesus was like rattling off the Ten Commandments. Well, have you murdered anybody? Have you stole stuff? You honoring your parents? Are you lying? <laughs> the guy's like, yep, I'm all good there. Check, 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 check. And it says that Jesus loved him. Surprise. <laughs> and Jesus liked him. And, you know, and he, he looked at him and he's like, had this warmness about him that he, he was really impressed, I think. And he's like, okay. Well, there's one last thing that you haven't done yet that I'd love for you to be able to do. That's to sell all your possessions. I want you to get rid of all of it. I know you're a really rich guy. You got a lot of stuff. I just want you to get rid of all of it and then just come follow me. At this point, the, I think the words actually in the Bible said he was, the man was saddened. 
he changes. He probably went from this like, you know what? Jesus likes me. Like, that's pretty cool. To, I don't think I can do that. I don't think I'm capable of that. You know, all this other stuff was hard. There's some people that I really wanted to murder, and I, I didn't. This one guy, this, my neighbor, has got this really sweet lawnmower that I thought about stealing, but I didn't. Life was hard. Sometimes I hated my parents, but I respected them and I honored them. You know, I walked this life with these, with these rules that you had for me, Jesus, and I, and I did it. And that was hard. But now you're asking for this? Jesus, I earned this stuff. This stuff is mine. Why, sh- why should I just give this up? For this rich young ruler, it cost too much. The price that Jesus asked it was too much for him. The price was way too high and the, and the guy couldn't pay. He loved his stuff too much. And the moral of the story isn't, again, to follow Jesus means you have to get rid of everything. We've covered that already. Jesus wanted to know the level of this guy's attachment to his stuff. How attached are you? Would you be willing to get rid of all of it and come follow me? That's the true test. And the man said, no, I'm not. Jesus, if it's between you and my stuff, I take my stuff. I take my things. I take my schedule. I take my time. I take my popularity. I take my money. I take my cars. I I take that. I would rather have that than you. What Jesus is saying here is, if you want to follow me, It's going to cost you. It's going to cost you. It's going to take, I mean, it's it's going to take some time. It's going to take some effort. It's going to take sacrifice. It's going to take commitment. And if you've got so much stuff going on that you can't take the time, you can't sacrifice, you can't commit to the work that he's called you to do, if that price is too high to give up those things to follow Christ, then you've made your choice. Because following Jesus is costly. Following Jesus is costly. When I was in high school, one of the things I I wasn't willing uh, to give up in an effort to follow Jesus was popularity. Now, I don't say that because I thought I was popular, because I wasn't. but I wanted to be, desperately. I wanted to be popular. And I wasn't willing to give that up. You know, I went to church and I, you know, did all the right moves, but I don't think it made a deep, I didn't have deep roots, right? Because everything just kept choking the gospel out of me because I wanted all this other stuff. I wanted these other things. Sometimes following Christ means sacrificing Popularity. People may not like you as much because you don't do exactly what it is that they want you to do. Sometimes following Christ means that you lose some friends. And I'm talking like lifelong friends. People you've known since you were a kid. Well, you weren't a kid, but even younger kid. I mean, you got history, right? 
you've got lots of great memories. You've probably gotten a lot of trouble together. And then pretty soon that relationship became unhealthy. And but you couldn't you couldn't give it up. I mean, right? You've been friends for too long. But you know, we made a choice. Sometimes following Jesus costs us certain people that we call friends. Sometimes following Jesus costs us our stuff. Maybe we got stuff in our life or we are so in love with stuff that we just spend all our time and resources getting stuff and then protecting that stuff and getting more stuff to replace the stuff that we don't like anymore because there's new stuff now. And maybe all our time and energy and our money is being sucked up into stuff instead of doing the work of God. And maybe it means that we have to give some of that up. Maybe one less pair of shoes. I don't know. Sometimes following God costs us our time. Time is so precious. That's the thing you don't get back. You have 24 hours in a day and you only have seven days in a week. And who knows how much time you have left. And when we really look at our lives and the, the things that we spend our time on, how much time we spend watching TV or playing on the internet or... You know, even good things, hanging out with friends and, and family and, and, and our jobs and, and band practice and, and football practice and tennis matches, swim meets. We put in a lot of time. We put in a lot of time and sometimes we put in so much time into these things that, again, aren't bad. They're good. But we put so much time and energy into them. And there's no more room for God. Our spiritual life gets choked out. They can't survive because of all the stuff around. Christ put his money where his mouth was. Christ was willing to sacrifice so much, he actually, he himself was sacrificed. His life was given up. He paid the ultimate cost. Because he wasn't willing to back down from what God had called him to do. And people were angry with him. Because he was so countercultural. Because he was so against the norm. That angered people. Who, is, who does he think he is? Who is this guy? How can he do these things and say these things? Nobody does that. People got so angry with him that they plotted to kill him and then succeeded in having him killed. Jesus followed that and it cost him his life, but through that death, he rose again to new life and gave us life too. But see, what Jesus understood was this. That he was a manager and not an owner. Like his human body, this was management. And if you remember this, that you are a management manager and not an owner, this is how we begin to clear these weeds out. To understand that everything we have, all that you have, the pen in your hand, the phone in your pocket, the fanny pack around your waist, if you drive the car that you have, the clothes on your back, the breath that you breathe. You don't own 
refuge. Because all things, all creation, all things belong to God. Including you. All things belong to God and you are managing those things. When you all grow up and you make tons of money because you're all super smart and you're going to get these awesome jobs, you're going to hire a a financial manager, right? Somebody that's going to handle your finances and help you invest them and so you have retirement and then you can send your kids to college. And if that guy takes your money and then just spends it on whatever he wants and you go to him and you're like, hey, so how's my money doing? And he's like, oh, uh, well... It's doing pretty good. It bought me that car over there. I got these fancy new clothes and these shoes. I actually bought three pair of these exact same shoes. So your money's doing pretty well for me. That guy would be fired. That, that guy would be in jail. That guy would be dead. Like, you know, like that, that doesn't happen because he's a manager. It's not his money. But he's taking your money and he's putting it to work. And he's multiplying it and he's making it grow. He's managing it. We are managers. God has given us creation to manage, to oversee. He's handed it over to us. And and we've taken this creation and said, mine now. This is my stuff. It's not yours anymore, God. Finders keepers. God has asked us to manage his stuff, to take his stuff and to make it grow, to make it better, to make it bigger. Christ understood that he was a manager. And when we wrap our heads around the idea, when we're able to wrap our heads around the idea that everything you have, down to your breath, everything that you have, belongs to God, then when all that you have is God's, the weeds have nothing left to hold on to. There's nowhere for them to take root. They can't choke out your life because you're, you're, you understand that this isn't yours, that in any moment God could, call, could need this and I would have to give it back to him. The weeds can't grab a hold of your heart when you understand that your heart belongs to God and everything here belongs to God. When we take that mindset, the weeds have nothing left to hold on to. Like I said before, following Jesus is costly. It may be something you really like in your life right now that may be choking out the life that Jesus is trying to grow inside of you. Following Jesus is costly, but it's worth it. Because the fullness of life that he brings. Following Jesus is costly, but it's worth it. Because of the fullness of life that he brings. Maybe this is you tonight. Maybe you're kind of doing a survey of the, of the soil that you have, and you're, you know, there's a lot of stuff in there. Some of it good, some of it bad, but there's a lot, a lot of junk in there. 
And I've carved out this tiny little space for God. But tonight, that, that's changing. That you're looking at all that stuff and you're saying, that's not even my stuff. That's God's stuff. I'm just a manager. Including this body and this breath that I have. This is all his. And everything now that I do with my stuff, with me, is all about growing this kingdom now. Because it's his and I'm putting it to work. I'm clearing out these weeds. And I'm done with this mess. Maybe that's you. Maybe it's time. We're going to have two minutes worth of, or so worth of reflection and music like we do each night. And this is an opportunity for you with your, with your notebook or your phone or in prayer to begin doing a little survey of your heart. Finding those places that God has been crowded out of. And begin removing those weeds. Let's go to God in prayer. Gracious God, we thank you so much for tonight. We thank you for a hard day's work. We thank you for new friends that we've made, God. We thank you for this time of worship, singing praises to you and your name and all the great and glorious things you've done. God, we're thankful for bedtime. Thankful for sleep. God, some of us in here have neglected our hearts. We've allowed things to creep in and stuff to grow where it shouldn't belong, God. choke out that life that you're trying to grow inside of us. We've neglected, neglected it for far too long, God, and, and, we're, and we're ready to clear it out, to clear out the junk, to make some room, God, with this new understanding that we're giving it all to you. It was yours in the first place, God, but we know that now and we're giving it back. And everything that we have, everything that you have blessed us with, God, is yours. And we want to manage it well. We want to put it to use. We want to put it to work, God. We want to use it for your good and bring in your kingdom. Producing fruit, God, and sowing seeds. We thank you for this gift of life, God, that you've given us to manage. We want to do our best with it. In your name we pray.